0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: This is the Four FCS Fanatics Radio Show with your hosts Adam Willie, Preston Adams, Dakota Collins, and Jeff Wigton, and now here's the show. Welcome in FCS fans. We are joined tonight by Jeff Wigton, Dakota Collins, and Preston Adams. How are you guys doing tonight?
2: Doing good. How are you?
1: Doing pretty well, you know. a great Thursday night before football.
3: I am doing well myself. This is Preston. Um, I will just give as an update since I'm currently watching a couple games. Um, North Carolina and T could go down 13 to nothing if this play review goes against their favor. Looks like uh punt returner might have hit the football and South Carolina State recovered it in the end zone. So, this could be a very big play in this rivalry game. All right. So, so what, how
2: far how far are they along in that game there?
3: Um, It it just started the second quarter, so there's plenty of time to catch up, um, and the play was confirmed, so it's about to be 14-3 South Carolina. There's plenty of time for them to catch up, but this is the perfect start for for the Bulldogs, to say the least. Oh, for sure. Thank you.
2: And I understand that we've got action from... I I understand that we've got action from the and I almost called it the gateway the Missouri Valley.
1: Yeah, we got here. I got pulled up. We got Northern Iowa here with about nine forty-seven to go, and they're driving, and they're up three nothing right now over the Indiana State Sycamores down in Terre Haute, Indiana. You know,
2: and, and I and I think I said it to Preston earlier, but I'm I'm glad that that we're seeing uh you know a better Indiana State team, but. I just do not expect this to be a competitive game at all.
1: I don't. I expected the first quarter pretty much to be competitive, and that was about it. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the States, they might be back up there in a few years. All right, so. Figured we'll go with the same outline as last week. Figured we'd start off our show tonight with let's all mention one thing that stood out for us the most this week. I gotta look back through my stuff. Who wants to lead us off? I'm sorry. What was the
3: um, one thing for what this week that stood out the most to us this week from our conferences?
2: Um, overall, or, or just in our conferences?
1: You know, what, let's do overall. The one, I, no, why not? Well, the one I
4: chose, the one I chose is overall, but it just well, one of the teams is not in my conference. The one of it is, and it's it is one thing, but it involves two teams, and it's that Chattanooga and UC Davis are for real. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Mhm. Yeah, definitely. Especially like uh, to- with Chattanooga.
4: At Chandra, that's that's last that's week in the conference good. against Samford, And then UC Davis just handling their business against Idaho.
2: I don't know why I'm just not impressed with Idaho as of yet, you know, a whole that I never have been. Um
0: mm-hmm.
2: they're gonna it's gonna take a lot to impress me from from the Vandals, but I just really think that, you know, Chattanooga, you're right. They are definitely for real, and that's going to be a fun. Uh, that's going to be a fun team to watch as we go towards the playoffs.
3: Um, so I guess I can go next with uh, kind of something that stuck out to me this week, which I guess means coming into this weekend and week in general is just how, and we'll probably. go just how overwhelming um, the teams at the top looked uh, this past weekend. Yes, we all know about JMU. We knew they were going to look overwhelming. Um, we knew NDSU was going to look overwhelming. And, yeah, North Dakota State got up 28 to nothing in the first quarter, which is oh. kind of ridiculous. Um, nobody's coming back from that, and you're not coming back from all those turnovers. I don't care who you are. But they, they shut down mm-hmm. Delaware um, completely. I say uh, kudos to them for that one. I said Delaware's defense w- uh, needed to show up if they wanted a chance, and I don't really blame defense for the big scoring. I think it was a lot of offensive turnovers that made it that way. But I also said, hey, their quarterback needs to show up, and Delaware's quarterback, and I think that came to fruition last week. Um, Janus' win over William & Mary was the biggest um, margin in that rivalry, in the history of that rivalry. I think that says. I think JMU fans don't ever expect to blow out anybody in Virginia. Um, and yeah, we love some points on the board, and that's saying something since we still won 51 to nothing. Um, and EW uh, Eastern Washington, I mean, they looked phenomenal as well. And yeah, they were not playing against the biggest opponent in the world, but putting up 70 points on a conference opponent at any point in time, in my opinion, is impressive. And, and I'm actually going to go out, um, not necessarily on a limb, but maybe something that people wouldn't mention, is Prairie View A and M completely demolished. I think it was Arkansas Pine Bluff last weekend. Something like, like something like yeah. fifty two to thirty, um, which showed me at least that you know they're going to do what they're supposed to do against the teams that supposed to. um and showed me that you know all those close games that they were playing against better competition that was a ruse. These guys are the real mm-hmm. deal, and it's very interesting to see them in Grambling this weekend.
1: Yeah, cool. yeah I was actually uh, going to go with – oh, you want to go, Jeff?
2: Well, I'll let you go ahead,
1: Adam. I was, I was going to go with actually someone that's in – Jeff's in my neck of the woods. Illinois State really they showed this year, just like UC Davis and Chattanooga, they looked like they were the real deal this year. Or this week again with a good win over Colorado State. Probably Illinois State looked really good this week, and to show they do deserve the top ten that they got this week.
3: I think that was a cool, very maybe not necessarily surprising, but well, yeah, surprising how they, you know, dominated an FCS team. Um, I was listening to the Heroes uh, podcast. Yesterday and basically they, said, you know, that's what Jam you did to East Carolina, and Colorado State. Colorado State is not a bad team, so that that was definitely a very impressive one. I'm with you on that one, Adam. Very cool.
2: Uh, you know what? Finally, I'm just going to go ahead. I, I was just really paying more attention. Uh, basically to my conferences this week, but you know I was just really happy to see how some of the some of the things went in our conferences, or at least in in the big south and the northeast and the um and the pioneer I, but I have to admit i i I'm glad that for the most part the non conference football schedule is over, and now we're going to get down to the meat you know of our of our seasons, and that's you know where we're playing in conference. Where these teams are gonna start meeting the you know their rivals, and you know these are gonna be the games that really matter coming up.
3: I got you on that one. that's definitely uh amazing so um Adam got tied up for a little bit if if it's cool with y'all um let's kind of move on to the next portion of our program um so. We're going to recap the game of the week. I think we all know what's the big game on everybody's mind. They even mentioned it in the uh, South Carolina State-North Carolina and t game. Um, and our game of the week is the uh, South Dakota State Jackrabbits traveling to the North Dakota State Bison for uh, each team's first conference game, if I'm not mistaken, and obviously mm-hmm. a 1-3 matchup. So, uh, Jeff, I'm going to kick it over to you. And what are your uh, initial thoughts of our game of the week?
2: Well, first of all, this is just going to be a, a you know it, it, it's it's going to be a classic rivalry game, and and the, both teams are you know we've got North Dakota coming North Dakota State, excuse me, coming in number one. You've got South Dakota State coming in at number three. Some people have even said that they could you know be a number two. I think that's pushing it a bit, but you know, you, you take a look at that. This is going to just be one of those games that it's, it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. It's going to be hard, you know, hard fought on both sides. Nobody wants to give this game up. It's for the Dakota marker. You know, it's going to be one of those great games that we're going to, you know, I, I wish I could uh, say that I was going to be able to see this game this weekend. Uh, if, if, the weather clears. I'm going to be in Macomb, so I won't be seeing it. But, uh, you know, they'll be keeping up with it out there at, at, uh, at Hanson Field. So I, I look forward to hearing how this game comes out because you know this is going to be one of those games that it's going to come down to a key play, and it's it's just going to be an exciting game throughout.
3: Awesome. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Dakota, what about you? What are you looking forward to in this game, or what do you see coming
4: yeah, I'm in the same boat as uh, Jeff there. We're going to I'll be at Jacksonville State and Austin P and they they kick off thirty minutes after this game, so I won't be able to actually watch this game. But yeah, I just agree with just reiterate whatever what what uh, Jeff said. And it's just gonna be a classic rivalry game, it's gonna be close, hard fought, well into the fourth quarter. Um Jack Rabbits, they're gonna have to be able to contain the North Dakota State offense. And you know North Dakota State, they just want to hold on to the ball, keep that time possession up, limit how many times South Dakota State's going to get the ball. And you know yeah. the Jackrabbits have won the last two meetings between these. I went back to look at why have why did they win the last two uh, last year? The big difference was turnovers. They forced five turnovers for North Dakota State, and they only turned the ball over themselves one time. So had a plus four turnover margin last year, while also putting up 473 yards. On the Bison defense while only giving up 337. And then two years ago, turnover margin was the same. Both teams turned it over once, but the yardage was over 200 apart. South Dakota State put up 523 yards to North Dakota State's 304. So it's just, well, if South Dakota State wants to win, this is going to be a similar game. Force turnovers and then be able to spread the ball and put up yardage and most importantly, get touchdowns against the Bison defense.
3: Wonderful. Okay, so I think I will go next. And what I'm looking forward to most in this game is to see North Dakota State tested by a competent offense. And me saying the word competent might be putting it lightly. As we all know, South Dakota State has the ability to pretty much light it up against anybody that they face. Um, they scored 42 points on Montana State. We all know what they did. Dark and pine bluff with the 90. We kind of write that off as it is what it is. Um, <coughs> They're going to be going up against the number one defense, and right now South Dakota State has the number one offense. In those battles, I generally tend to take defense, but at the same time, this is a rivalry game, so I pretty much throw all statistics and everything out the window and just let them play on the field. Um, In terms of North Dakota State's offense, what I'm still looking for is, like, we we all know that they have – Big old lineman up front that can push pretty much everyone around and a phenomenal running back core. Um, I don't think anybody can dispute that. What, what I'm really looking for is, um, and the quarterback's name is escaping me right now. Um, oh, Ethan Stick, right? Yeah. Um, he has got to prove to me that more than someone, I hate to use the term game management because I don't think he's a manager. Clearly, he can make plays. I just think that he is I just I just want to see a little bit more from him and see him make the offense more dynamic than what I've seen thus far. Yes, clearly they can throw the ball, but what happens if South Dakota State and their defense, you know, bows up and, and they can't get the running game going and, and the game has been put into Easton Sticks' hands. Um what has been said um about how to beat North Dakota State these past couple of years is, hey, if you want to beat North Dakota State, you, you make Easton Stick beat you by throwing. Um, so what I want to see is, can you have Easton Stick, if he's put in that situation, beat you by throwing? So I would say those are kind of my two main points. Um, I think it's going to be a phenomenal for all. I, I will definitely be glued to that and the other game that I'm we to get to eventually going on. Uh, Um, Yeah, so those are my thoughts Sounds like Adam is back with us So Adam, thoughts on your heated Thoughts on what? The heated rivalry game in uh, your neck of the woods
1: Oh Yeah, it's another big rally matchup this week We got, as you guys probably mentioned We got the big Dakota marker South Dakota State has won it the last two years, they've won the marker. One year, NDsu got the into the playoffs, but they didn't get. But it wasn't for the marker. So but this year, those seniors are wanting that marker back for NDsu. Seniors for SDSU want to keep it. So it's probably going to be a good game. I think if NDsu can pound, ball, keep the running game, they can win single handedly this week. I think that's going to be the key for them. And the key for SDSU is probably passing because Taryn Christian has a good arm. So if they can pass and get the ball to the receivers against NDSU's defense, I think they have a chance to get it close like it should be.
3: Okay, uh, wonderful. So Those are my two keys
1: to the game. I'm sorry. What was that? So those are my two keys to the game.
3: Okay. Um, awesome. So look, um, do we have an a opportunity to? Sorry, this is, this is my first time with the schedule, so I'm just looking at it here right <laughs> now. It says other key games. Um, so let's uh, let's go with Jeff. Uh, what other games are you going to be watching out for in your conferences this week?
2: Well, you know, I was in the Big South. So I'm, uh, you know, I look back to last week. Princeton destroyed Monmouth at Monmouth. That that was kind of a that that was my key matchup for last week, and I really thought Monmouth needed that game. Unfortunately, Princeton uh, just came in and just dominated. Uh, this week in the Big South, Utah State should hold serve against Stanford. I mean. Really, I I don't know why I bother because obviously they're the number what fourteen now in the country. They're gonna they're gonna be the team that's that to beat. I mean it's just gonna be the way it is. So looking throughout the rest of the conference, North Alabama is three and one. They're traveling to Campbell. We'll actually see if the Campbells are for real. And Mamas is posting Wagner again. And if they if they don't win this game honestly they shouldn't get another playoff berth and, and the big south should only have kennesaw state going so that's just the way it is uh Monmouth hosting wagner is also in, in the northeast that's the only uh real key matchup for this coming week yeah uh, even though last week we had duquesne losing at hawaii not a surprise but uh sacred heart blew out wagner bryant held off robert Morris. And Albany beat St. Francis by a score. I thought those were all kind of key matchups last week uh, in the Northeast Conference. Uh, but really, I mean, this this should be a week where pretty much, if if they're favored, they should, again, they should just do what they need to do, go in, and take care of business, and then oh, moving over to the Pioneers, Dayton did double the score on Mom, on uh, Davidson, kind of like what I had expected, and Steph. Stetson held off Maris uh, 19 to 14 last week. I, I had said that Stetson needed to hold to to get that game uh, in order to to do well in the in the conference at least to to give them themselves a good start. Uh, this week, uh, Drake visits Jacksonville. That that should be a, a, a maybe a back and forth matchup there. It should be really a competitive game. Stetson travels to San Diego. We'll see if the Hatters are for real. And if the Toreros wake up from this funk that they've been in all season long, um, Davidson needs to hold serve at Valpo, but I don't see that to be a problem. And Butler must do the same though with Moorhead State. So if, mm-hmm. if those two want to at least have a chance to, to be, you know, there's only going to be one playoff team coming from the Pioneer. If either mm-hmm. if either Davidson or Butler wants to wants to have a chance, they they got to win this game this week.
3: All right, uh, sounds good. Thanks a lot for that, Jeff. Let's, um, sure. let's go with um, Dakota. What about your leagues? What are you looking for this week?
4: Well, SoCon. Uh, I will I will go with Sam from Chattanooga because that's the first one I highlighted. Um, Sanford's obviously in the middle of a rut, r- rough patch. Um, they did make a little bit of a rally last week against Chattanooga. Chattanooga did lead 17-0 early. It ended up being respectable, 27-20. Uh, Sanford's just got to find their running game. They were held under 100 rushing yards, but had almost 100 more. But they are just under 400 passing yards on Chattanooga. Uh, they have four turnovers though, so if they, I feel like if they can just get a little bit of a running game going, clean up their turnovers, they can hang in with Kennesaw State, who they've had times in their games where they've struggled. They struggled starting off early. They have taken a quarter or two to wake up. So I think Sanford can have a game with Kennesaw State and. Then, Staying in the seventh Conference, the Citadel at Towson. Citadel finally got a key conference win last week. After we talked about their struggles in the first two games, you know, where they lost by one in overtime to Chattanooga, and then they lost by seven to Wofford. They finally got a conference win last week. Now they're going on the road against Towson, who's in the top twenty-five. Who's also well, Towson and SoCon. That's
1: <laughs> they're not. They're not, They're in the CAA, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Towson is yeah, yeah
4: yep. that's what I thought. When I started, like wait they the CAA. It'd be a huge win for the Citadel though. You know they've had their fair share of bad luck this season and can games. So I think they can hang game with Towson. And then OVC the only one I could really find was Austin P at JSU. This game takes a little bit of a hit with Austin P's thirty point loss last week to Tennessee Martin. So and <clears> that. I did expect Austin P to take a little bit of a step down this year after surprising people last season. But that is just surprising after getting blown out by Tennessee Martin. Uh, it's a home game for JSU, so JSU should just make a statement. And in the SWAC, the one that really made my eyes open, Prairie View at Grambling. Grambling mm-hmm. had that crushing defeat against Northwestern State. You know They're just perceived as the top team in the SWAC. Prairie View has been a nice surprise this year. Almost beaten FBS Rice. Hanging in with Sam Houston State and then just blowing out Arc Pine Bluff last week. Prairie View on the road at Grambling. Very marquee matchup in the SWAC. And then Alabama A&M at Jackson State. Alabama A&M, they're only 1-3, but they've been surprising as they hung in with Southern last week, losing like 24-22 or 27-25. It was like two points last week. And then they had North Alabama, and then they lost it late. Alabama A&M is a much-improved team. <clears throat> they've can get over the hump mm-hmm. of actually finishing off a game. So on the road against Jackson State, a good opponent to try and find the win column for the Bulldogs. And that wrapped up my conferences.
3: All right. Thanks very much All for right. that. Uh, Adam, what's going on in your conferences? Yeah, I'm
1: actually going to mention what's outside my conferences. I'm surprised Dakota didn't mention and that is, winless Eastern Illinois at winless Tennessee Tech. There's was I just found that when I was they're both battling for their first wins. I thought Dakota would mention that, but I guess not. <laughs> and the, but then in the conferences, I got, of course, in the Big Sky, we got Eastern Washington at Montana State. It's Montana State's quarterbacks. Second appearance their starter. He's the guy that started against. Um, he started against Western Illinois. Who is it? Troy? No, not Troy Anderson. It was. Got his name now. Yeah, it was Troy Anderson. He's going to be the starter on Saturday for the Bobcats on against Eastern Washington. I find that it's going to be a close game. I was talking with Kyler Neal this week. He thinks it's he said it's going to be a competitive, good rivalry game. I agreed with him. Then, where was I? In The Ivy League. We got actually tomorrow night. We got Princeton against Columbia. They're both battling. They're both undefeated. And then we got Rhode Island, Harvard on tomorrow night as well. We got Maine going to Yale. Then we got Georgetown going the Brown. Mm-hmm. See if Brown can pull mm-hmm. off their first win against Georgetown for the year. And then oh, wow. in the Valley, we got in right the Valley. We got actually right now Northern Iowa against Indiana State. We got UNI up. It's a minute twenty to go in the first half. Then of course, as we talked about earlier, we got our game of the week. We got Youngstown State and Western Illinois. Both are battling I think loser playoffs. For sure this year. Yeah, Illinois State, Missouri State.
3: Alright, was that it from you, Adam? Hello? Adam? Adam. Uh, I guess he got cut off. So <laughs> in the spirit of moving things right along, hopefully he'll get back to us real quick. I will um just uh I'll take over um right now. Um one, uh,
2: one actually Preston before before we do, one point I I actually want to make about Western Illinois and, and Youngstown State. First of all, I'll be surprised if either of those two teams make the playoffs this year. But um, mm. we're looking at. First of all, it's homecoming day down in Macomb, um, which is part of the reason why I get to go down. But uh, the other the other thing is that this could be a heck of a sloppy game. Uh, the forecast for Macomb is 50% chance of rain a couple hours before the before the kickoff. We're looking at maybe 60 degrees and gusty winds. And uh, Ooh. you know, I let me let me see if that forecast has changed any here uh before I before I talk about those wins again. But uh, you know, it's looking kinda like it's gonna be uh, you know, just a really sloppy day to be in Macomb. And, and it's gonna be a hard day for either team to hold on to the ball. And and let me tell you I've been to Macomb where that wind starts gusting and there's nothing to stop the wind if it's coming in from the wrong direction and i've seen punts go up in the air and actually go net net negative <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> man
2: i actually got to see a punt one time go up and turn around and go back at the punter so and Saturday, yeah, there's well, actually, the, the winds are kind of going down a little bit. East winds at five to ten miles an hour, but that means that it's going to be a crosswind going across Hanson Field, and it could be a really sloppy, messy day in Macomb. So, not looking forward to that. Um, you know, it, it, it's again, it's going to be a. We've had so many good homecomings in a row down in Macomb. We've been due for a bad, a bad weather day, and. I can totally see this. uh, It's going to be a competitive game, but, yeah, this is not going to be a fun one.
3: All right, Jeff, Uh, thanks for that insight. Um, Mm -hmm. Homecoming is going to be homecoming. That sounds like a (laughs) – if that weather is what you say it's going to be, it's not going to be, like, the worst weather of all time, but it it definitely won't be uh, the greatest conditions. Okay, so um, Adam had one more game in the Southland that he wanted to mention, which was uh, Sam Houston versus um, Central Arkansas. And basically he was going to say that the the loser of that game is out of the playoffs. Um, Definitely think we thought that for Sam Houston, as it is. Some people already have them out. Uh, Central Arkansas, I I would probably say the same thing as well, and I think everybody um, thought that they were going to take a step back this year anyway. Alright, so mm-hmm. I'll start off with the uh, um start out with the um MEAC. Oh, okay, uh give me one second. Uh Adam, did you want to say something? Mm, sounds like
2: a little bit more technical out of uh Adam
3: there. Yeah, it's like another technical difficulty. Um So while we're trying to get that straightened out, um, I'm going to start with the Miette game that's going on right now. Um, And um, right now what we have is South Carolina State up on North Carolina A&T, 16-3, and those 16 points are all off of turnovers. Mm -hmm. I said um, earlier that South Carolina State has a stout defense. They forced two fumbles. Well, Forced one fumble, another fumble was caused, and then a special teams swap. So that's where their 16 points have come from, and a and just not moving the ball. And it uh, doesn't matter how good you are, turn over the ball a bunch of times against a rival, you're going to lose. Um, this was going to be a big game for them anyway. Um, this could make things very, very interesting um, for the MEAC, to say the least, because if A&T does lose this game, it does go as a notch against them in conference play. Um and not only that, um, that, that would put Howard and Bethune-Cookman really in play to uh, take their place in the Celebration Bowl. I'm not going to get too deep into what that entails because I could go on for hours. Um, so moving on, um, another game that I would uh, – the, the other game in the MEAC that I would say is important for both teams is Florida A&M um, versus North Carolina Central. Mm-hmm. Um, bigger game for Florida A&M since they are um, postseason eligible – I'll say that. And they already have a conference win. So this could definitely be a a big win for them to kind of boost Mm -hmm. their standing. really good win against an opponent that, um, an opponent that if if North Carolina Central wasn't on probation, would have been competing with them for a playoff spot. But um, North Carolina Central is basically going to be playing spoilers all year. All righty. So let's go to the Patriot League. Um, Georgetown Brown was already mentioned, so I'm not going to go there. Uh, Bucknell Holy Cross was um, another game that's going on. Holy Cross, since they beat Yale, you know, I think that that's a team that not necessarily anybody saw coming. Um, I wouldn't say that anybody's sleeping on them necessarily, but you never know. They could, um, they could, you know, poke a little bit of a Colgate and uh, – um, they could put Colgate and Lehigh for some conference supremacy perhaps, so that could be a good conference win for them to get off the bat. My next game is a crossover between the CAA and um, and the Patriot League, and that's Colgate at William & Mary. Um, William & Mary got trounced last week, so I know that they'll be looking to bounce back. Um, and this is a great bounce-back game. It'll also give us a chance to see, you know, is this Colgate team for real? I think if I saw correctly, they are—they um, were in somebody's top 25. Was it the Stats' top 25? Yep, Stats' top 25 at the bottom and number 24 undefeated. Um, so, you know, that being said, that's a ranked team. And uh, William & Mary, uh, I know that they're itching to really get themselves on the on the right track before they get more into gritty CAA play. So I, I really anticipate that being a really, really good game. Um, Probably won't be watching much of it, but I'm definitely going to be getting updates on the phone. And with that, I will segue into the CAA. Um, somebody, or, um, Adam already mentioned Rhodey and Harvard. I'll just say this. This is this is a classic matchup. Um, a lot of these northeastern schools, um, while they might not have that big rivalry feel that, you know, other folks around the other conferences might think about, um, especially with Rhodey and Maine not necessarily being marquee programs in other parts of the country. But Rhodey and Harvard, you know, they might might be two and a half hours from each other. So it's all right there. Um, so there's going to be a lot of pride in that game. It's also going to be a lot of really good football, which, you know, we already mentioned. Um, and then Maine and Yale. Um, Yale was the other team that was supposed to be at the top of the Ivy League. And Maine is another surprise out of the CAA. I'm looking forward to that matchup as well. We'll just leave it at that. Before I get to the game that a lot of people know that I want to talk about, um, <laughs> um, I think uh, Towson Citadel was already mentioned. Um, I think that that game kind of speaks for itself. Um, Citadel has had a lot of close games already um, against good competition, and Towson has basically shocked the world when they went in and beat up Marvel. Or um, I would say more Blitzkrieg Nova. They They just... Thirty-five unanswered points out of nowhere. It was, um, so, uh, I think what we're going to see is, you know, maybe Citadel can get that one win that they've been looking for, and uh, Towson, you know, it's time to put up or shut up. Are you the real deal? And I also have UNH at Elon. So, at this point of the season, I don't think anybody saw uh, New Hampshire at zero and three playing spoiler. And New Hampshire playing spoiler—that's that's a very very scary thought. Um, I don't know if um, I don't know if their quarterback's going to be back for this game, but if he is, that's going to make make it a lot more interesting. Otherwise, this is Elon's chance to you know kind of start padding their uh, CAA resume, so that when it does come around, um, you know this could be the difference between them being four and four and five and three. And that's going to make a huge difference come playoff time. So. You know, I think that that's a big game. You know, who knows? UNH could win and rally off a bunch of wins, but at this point, I just think they're playing spoiler for the rest of the CAA, and they are a very, very capable spoiler team. Um, Next is another (laughs) playoff implication game in the CAA. It's um, Villanova at Stony Brook. Stony Brook put a whooping on Richmond last week, 36 to 10. Um, So I think Stony Brook. You know, they they definitely have a potent running game. I'm not going to deny that. So, um, it, you know, it's going to be on Nova to kind of bow up and show us again that their defense is the real deal. Um, I, this game is being played at Stony Brook and I think, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. Um, again, the, this is a game between teams that are both, you know, in the top 20. So it's going to be a top 20 matchup. Um, again, playoff implications all around. This is, this is a difference between six and two, five and three, four and four sort of thing. Um, So, and I know people have said it kind of flippantly uh, here on the page and on other podcasts, but pretty much from this point on, and anybody can feel free to dispute this, um, every CAA game that we have from now on is basically a playoff game for those eight teams that are still in playoff contention. And I don't even include Richmond in those teams in playoff contention, which is saying something. Um, So these games starting now, all mean a whole lot for these teams um, and I will end off with my alma mater James Madison University versus the team that we uh, very lovingly call the Ticks uh, formerly called the Spiders Richmond um, this is a game that bookies <laughs> pers- yep that's a thing um, this is, I this love is that a, that's great yeah, um, they're not so fond of it but we don't care um, and, and I actually wanted to um, say something. Uh, Chase yesterday said that, or um, on the pod that they were doing yesterday, said that um, Richmond is the elitist school and JMU is the y'all come school. And don't get me wrong. Richmond is definitely elitist. It's definitely hoity-toity. Um, they, they, it's the look and feel of an Ivy League school. Um, it's a gorgeous campus, absolutely gorgeous campus with less gorgeous people. Um, personality. Um. So um, it, it, But it was very interesting Like for me it was like How uppity do you have to be To make JMU Which is a school that basically is The suburbs um, People from the suburban parts of northern Virginia All going out to the Shenandoah Valley And suburbs of Virginia These people are not poor I'll just put it that way How rich and hoity-toity do you have to be To make people from northern Virginia Feel like common folk and if you know anything about the makeup of our state that's that's just a fascinating comment that Chase made um, but I but I will digress let's get back to the football on this one so the bookies had JMU at minus 34 which I think is absolutely absurd no bad how no matter how bad Richmond is but uh, uh, if you're a betting person please please take the under on that you will absolutely win and that's not that I don't have faith in JMU and their ridiculously good defense that might even be better than last year's, is that this is a rivalry game. This is the 36th meeting, and I think uh, – 36 mm-hmm. or 37th and it's either tied 18-18 to 18, or Richmond's up by one or JMU's up by one. This is a tight rivalry. Um, up until last year when JMU won at home, I think the last three games before that, the road team won. So home field advantage really doesn't mean crap, especially since JMU always fills up Richmond Stadium anyway but I digress. Um, I, I just don't see this being a blowout. Um, I feel really bad for Richmond because they lost two of their playmakers, their starting running back they lost, and then this past um, week, and they lost their their specialist that was a great punt returner, kick returner, and what I thought was their best um, wide receiver, Dijon Brissett, to a fracture in his ankle. So Richmond's offense comes hobbling in to a JMU defense that I didn't know was going to be looking to kind of pardon my friendship but stomp the spiders and just put it on them and really make a statement and say, hey, there's a reason why I'm number two. Yeah, they did it against William and Mary. They want to do it against Richmond. Um, now, that being said, um, I think that this is also going to be an opportunity for JMU to hopefully open up their offense a little bit. I think they've been hiding some offensive plays uh, trying to get Ben DiNucci into the offense a little bit um, so that we're not showing cards and everything. We haven't really been slinging the ball around a lot, as I thought we would, um, which has some Jamie fanatics getting a little uh, scared, shall we say. Um, but I try to take a more cerebral approach when it comes to this sort of thing because I don't have the time or the anxiety to just get bent out of shape about nothing. Anyway, <laughs> um, to make a long story short, I could go on about this rivalry for the next hour and a half. So I'll just put it this way. Um, this game will probably be closer than people think. I'm thinking probably a 17 point win for the Dukes. It'll be comfortable. I wouldn't be surprised by a 31 to 14 score. Um, maybe with a maybe a late here and there for each team. Um, if it was 38 to 14, that wouldn't surprise me just because I think that Jamie will run all over. Richmond's lack of defense, but if it's much more than that, and if Richmond, you know, if they don't score 14 points and Jamie scores more than 38, that will be a legitimate shock to me, and I think that that will say a lot, because I think anybody here would know. Um, You throw everything out the window in a rivalry game, and any time a rivalry game is a blowout, um, that says something. So um, with that, I'm going to, looks like Adam might be back with us, and we can move on to the next part of our program. Hello, hello. Hey, we can hear you, man. Alright, sweet.
1: See okay. I'm trying to get some halftime up here. So we oh, got um, you and I up six nothing at half time. Then North Carolina A T is down sixteen ten. And we got Presbyterian up three nothing. Yippee! So, <laughs> yep, them beating a school I've never heard of. Lincoln Wilson, that. probably NAIa. So it looks like yeah. I, oh, I had never heard of either. It's nine yeah. nothing. You and I now. So let's see what's the next part of our program. So we just went through. Games are pretty much our conference games for the week. You we want to run through the top 25? Yeah, let's do it. Alright, looks like surprising. We got 1, 2, NDSU, JMU. 3, we got SDSU. 4, we got Kennesaw State. 5, Eastern Washington. Six, Super State. Seven, Wofford. Eight, Jacksonville State. Nine, Illinois State. Ten, McNeese State. Eleven, we got Elon. Twelve, North Carolina A&T after dropping eight spots. Thirteenth, we got Villanova. Uh, twelve, no, tied for thirteenth. We got Villanova. And then. Central Arkansas, then we got 15th, Nichols, 16th, Maine, 17th, Montana, 18th, Stony Brook, 19th, UC Davis, 20th, we got 4-0, Chattanooga, first we got Sam Houston State after dropping 10 spots, you have got Rhode Island at 22nd. You and I at 23rd. And we have two new newcomers to the poll, Colgate at 24 and Towson at 25. Looks like we got three newcomers in this week's top 25 stats poll. That would be Chettinggate and, and then Colgate and Towson. What stands out to you guys in this poll?
0: <clears throat> well, but I have, fans, to, and
4: I have a to agree with way the top five. see, Davis still all the way back at 19 and an undefeated Chattanooga at 20. That's what I was talking about, is that, you know, those teams are for real. You see Davis kicked off the season, FBS win against San Jose State. While well, they're not the most impressive <laughs> FBS team, but still, I feel like any time an FCS team does defeat... An FBS team it is impressive. And then they play a top 10 FBS team in Stanford, and they lose only by 20. And they've just ran down so yeah. far their FBS competition. They'll have more chances to move up and prove their worth. But I, I feel like they're, they deserve to be a better ranking than 19th.
1: Yeah, yeah same with Chattanooga. I feel like that they're too low as well.
4: And I don't see how Sam Houston's well, still I, ranked at all.
2: <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> the same thing, especially after they lost to nickel. You know, that that to me just was a, was a bit of a surprise. You know, for the most part, I agree with the top five, actually the top six. I'm surprised Jacksonville State isn't, um, well, no, actually, I'm surprised North Carolina A&T isn't a little bit higher. Uh, I thought I think twelfth is a, is quite a drop. I think that was a little severe. Um, and, and, and I agree with both of you. I think Chattanooga, especially, they shouldn't be in twentieth place. But you know, it, there is time for them to rise up in the poll a little bit further, especially as they keep you know putting wins together. I think, and I, that's going to happen with this team. They just seem to be, you know, as, oh, yeah. as Dayton's been saying, they just seem to be a force to be reckoned with this year. <laughs> and you know, good luck if you're in Chattanooga's way.
1: Oh, no kidding!
4: Yeah, just going back to the whole Sam Houston thing. You can't, you can't tell me at any point of this season Sam Houston has looked like a top twenty-five team. You know, um, lost by twenty last week. Nichols managed seven points. And then yeah, they, they don't, don't look long, for like a top twenty
0: five Q and
4: D. I mean their lone win is a nine point win of Prairie
0: View. Now it's yeah, not a bad yeah. Team, But
2: yeah, Prairie View's not
3: even getting any uh well they get four votes.
4: Yeah, uh, that's they got so four this year.
3: Right? Yeah. Uh so I I'd actually like to say a couple things. Um First of all, um, I, I don't want to harp Houston too much, guys. Come on now. We know that they get a lot of crap. That being said...
0: rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs>
3: there, is, there, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever that they should be in the top 25 at this point. Uh, it is purely a name only and nothing more. Um, you know, Central Arkansas might very well knock them out, so we don't have to hear about them again. Um... Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just leave at least for I'll, this I'll, year. I'll, I'll just leave that at that. Um, Colgate sneaking in right now um, at number twenty-four. Good for them. Um, a lot of us mm-hmm. give crap to the Patriot League, um, myself included, even though I cover it. And God bless Georgetown. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, good for them for having some representation. Uh, them and Lehigh have always been, you know, pretty darn good teams, um, considering. So, you know, I'd say good for Colgate for getting some of national respect. And, again, they have an opportunity to go and uh, win against the CAA team, maybe not the best CAA team, but William & Mary is definitely going to give them a fight this weekend. Um, so good for them for sneaking into the top 25. I wanted to mention Prairie View since you guys did say something. Um, Prairie View, I think their record's one in three now. Um, two in three, I think. Um, completed. New look. And, and They're two and three. Game. Two and three. Okay, so they must have played a Division Two team. Yep. Um,
1: they beat North Carolina Central and Arkansas Pine Bluff.
3: They beat a MEAC team. Sorry, guys. See, some too much football already. To my to my mind, can we say that?
2: Too
3: much football. Hey, we're covering a lot. Let's just put it that way, okay? Yeah.
1: No kidding.
3: So, you know, Prairie View, to my mind, has two very impressive wins. Um, one, on the at a neutral site against North Carolina Central, they dominated that game. And the score also indicates that they, they put a whooping on a conference rival. Um, I think that that says something about your program, no matter how bad the conference rival is. Let's look at North Carolina A&T. They lost to a conference rival in Morgan State that is god-awful. Um, so
0: mm-hmm.
3: I'll just, you know, um, I, I'm not saying – I don't think Prairie View will ever crack the top 25 this year. Um, having them only get votes is a little unfortunate in my opinion. Um, and going up to uh, – yeah, top six really are the teams that I would say are, you know, serious championship contenders. I know everybody says it's North Dakota State, JMU, um, maybe low love given to South South Dakota State, depending on what they do this weekend, I I think that we're just waiting to see what they do when they make it. um, Eastern Washington looks like the real deal. And Weber State, a lot of people were kind of iffy on them. Their defense is still the real deal. And um, if you have a good defense in the big sky, you have a chance to win. So, at least for me, you know, if you're outside of that top six, um, with the exception of probably – Illinois State, and I'm still waiting to see what we see from Jacksonville State, but for sure Illinois State,
0: mm-hmm. those are
3: the teams, and add for you know national, legitimate national championship aspirations. Wofford, I, I you know they played, um, Wyoming very very well. I just don't know what to do with Wofford. <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll probably able- stay in. The, they'll probably stay in the top be- ten. They might get a spell. but, you know wherever the, whoever they go to. They're probably going to get waxed in the playoffs come uh, quarterfinal time. Um, Jacksonville State, in fact, Jacksonville State might jump Wofford at some point, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, Other than that, I think that, um, you know, I really can't argue with anything in the middle. There's a a bunch of really, really good teams. I actually would disagree. I think that the fact that North Carolina – and he stayed where they were, um, only falling to 12 is actually good for them because some polls, you know, some less realistic polls drop them even further. Um, you know, after that game, after I saw they lost, I'm like, man, that's embarrassing. Um, y'all can kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> in my loss.
1: top 25, I dropped them from 6th to 18th.
3: Exactly. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to... Or anything. Um, I think 12 is very, very reasonable, actually. Now, they, they've got teams like Villanova, Central Arkansas, Nichols, and Maine nipping at their heels, and Montana, and Stony Brook. So those teams are going to have opportunities to get big wins and move past them. Um, but the I'm, I'm, fact that they only dropped 12 is actually very good. Um, this has been mentioned in a lot of places, and I'll mention it here. Um, the CAA has seven teams in the top 25. And yes, Towson sneaking in there um, at number 25, but I'm sure the Missouri Valley has done this at some point, too, but that that really speaks to the depth of the conference in itself, and it speaks to the fact that there are other, you know, places around the the, um, Mm – there are other people around the league or um, not around the league, around the country that see that the conference is very good and very deep. Maybe with one elite team, but you know, a lot we could say that about a lot of other places. But other than that I'm not really seeing anything. Um I agree with you guys, Chattanooga, UC Davis, they have the wins to uh shoot up. Um and oh, yeah. if they if they can I, I think Chattanooga definitely has um some quote, unquote, wiggle room to move up in these rankings. But it, it's really nice to finally see some things, you know, even out that we're not getting people that have a name for the sake of having a name, top 25, um, with the exception of Sam Houston. Um, <laughs> um, I think all these teams have really earned their spots. Um, I don't see a team in here where I'm like, hey, you sure about that in terms of their rankings, um, even Elon, I wasn't very high on Elon at the beginning of the year. Um, I'm Again, I'm very interested to see what they do against New Hampshire, um, but I think that they're right, right okay at number 11. Um, so that, that's what I have uh, just looking at this top 25 this week. You know now, I Preston,
2: think? I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but New Hampshire, boy, we expected a heck of a lot out of them this year. And oh, then yeah. they have just been flat. What's been going
3: on in New Hampshire? Um, if, if I'm being blunt, um, what I see in New Hampshire is they got popped in the mouth um, by Maine, and that's a rivalry game. So they should have they should have bucked up. You know, Trevor Knight goes down. I get it. Losing your starting quarterback is awful. That can really shake a team, but it shouldn't shake your defense. Um, how's your defense going to let somebody score 35 points on them? Um, defense should have, you know, gotten a lot better. Colgate. Um, yeah, you can't lose your home opener to Colgate. And, yes, Colgate is undefeated and ranked now. But you, you shouldn't be losing to Colgate, especially after you lost your quarterback. Your fan base should be, you know, you guys were supposed to be national championship contenders this year with, a, you know, returning all your starters and everything. I just think that they got so demoralized um and they just haven't been able to recover. And then, you know, they go out to Colorado and they were so bad that their mascot decided to shoot themselves in the private parts, the Colorado mascot, because the game was so bad. Um, <laughs> I, 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 New Hampshire has been a dumpster fire. Um, to my rankings, the only team that has been worse than them in the CAA this year has been Albany. And even Albany has looked okay ish, Um, but I still think that they haven't shown as much as New Hampshire has. So I'm saying that to say that's why I think that this game against Elon is gigantic for New Hampshire. This is going to show whether they're going to be the team, whether or not Trevor Knight is their quarterback. Are they going to push teams like JMU and Delaware and Villanova and Elon and make them earn wins for their playoff spots? Or are they just going to lay down and say, oh, well, we're not going to try and continue our playoff streak. It is what it is. We lost our quarterback. Boo-hoo, woe is me. Um, I think that that, you know, New Hampshire is a great program. I'm not trying to knock their program. I don't think anybody can. But I I was disappointed, quite frankly. Um, I'm very, very disappointed in New Hampshire. Um, It would have been a lot worse for me had Maine and Towson and Rhode Island not picked up the slack a little bit. But New Hampshire was supposed to be a top-10 team. Delaware was supposed to be a top-15 team. I'm not going to harp on Delaware too much. I kind of knew that what they were. I thought that they would be third in the CAA anyway. But these are – that New Hampshire, that, that team is just – it blows my mind how awful they were. So you're not putting me on the spot. I, I'm sure that you would probably say the same thing. They look like Uh, I'm sure that uh, our New Hampshire um, enthusiasts on the FCS page will love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, did you want to say anything about the top 25? I know you read it off, but did you have any
1: um, thoughts? My only thought was what we had mentioned earlier, what was it? You had mentioned this about, I think it was Sam Houston State on that they're only still in the top twenty-five because of name only. You think? I think that's the only reason why UC Davis and Chattanooga are so low is because nobody knows anything really about them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the only thing I think about that.
3: Gotcha, and, and I, I think, and the thing is, you know, Chattanooga is a—they're a good program, um, but they have kind of been in the wilderness the last couple of years. So I guess. That that definitely has something to do with their low ranking. Um, so I think we're supposed to have a guest in a couple minutes, Adam. What, what do you want to cover until he comes on?
1: Um, oh, let's see. Um, see, at scores. We can go through a score breakdown again. We got just started the second qu- or the third quarter. We got Northern Iowa up against. Indiana State nine nothing. Looks like Northern Iowa has the ball. Like they're starting to drive again. That still looks like at halftime. time. Still at halftime. We got South Carolina State over North Carolina AT, sixteen ten. Then we've got the great game in the second quarter, ten fifty one to go. We got Presbyterian over Lindsay Wilson, Serena Fin. That's all. I have to admit, to I enjoyed some of the in. threads
2: earlier. I, I I enjoyed some of the threads earlier on some of the FB, FDS, uh you know, sites. Uh, one asking if if they had gone to physics with them, or if that was the girl that you know that lived down the hall, or something Hello. like that. I thought that was hilarious.
1: Hello. Hey, okay, we got our guest here, Jeff Colhane. How you doing tonight?
5: Hi, guys. How are you doing?
1: We're good. Pretty
3: good. One wonderful.
1: Good. So we've talked a little bit about the big game this guy. I know you're covering it for the Bison 1660. What are your thoughts on this game for the weekend?
5: Well, it's uh it's an exciting matchup. There's no doubt, and I think uh, the buildup for it has been going on for quite some time. Uh, You know, I think South Dakota state has done a great job with their, with their program throughout the division one era. And, you know, by winning the last two contests, they've been able to keep the marker in Brookings and, and this rivalry, I think has ratcheted up to an entirely new level. So, Give South Dakota State a lot of credit there. They have uh, got the job done in the regular season each of the last two years, and I think I think North Dakota State is treating this uh, more so like a rivalry game than maybe they have in, in quite some time. So it's a big matchup, it's a big game, and I know everybody's fired up for it to get started Saturday. Now,
2: Jeff, That's what does the team
5: have to do to win this game? Say that again, I'm sorry, there were two guys talking at once.
2: Thank you. Jeff, uh, this is actually another Jeff. Uh, What do you think that each team has to do to win this game?
5: Well, Jeff, uh, great name, by the way, to start. Um, Thank you. you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, I think that for North Dakota State, I think a big item is going to be NDSU's defensive front versus Terran Christian and trying to corral Mm -hmm. Terran Christian. And I think that with what uh, the Bison have done so far, uh With their pass rush and suffocating opposing quarterbacks uh you know Christian Lopez from North Alabama, Pat Kehoe last week from delaware uh they've really made life difficult on those guys obviously Taron christian is is at a different level than those two, and no nothing taken away from them but uh christian's fantastic. He's an all-American caliber football player. He's rewriting the record books at South Dakota State. He has the most career touchdown passes in Missouri Valley Football Conference history with 81. And he's played great versus NDSU each of the last two years. So uh, he's won both games. They've, the Jacks have won both games. And I think you know a big part of it is how will NDSU defensive coordinator Matt Entz, what will he draw up to not only attack mm-hmm. Christian but also corral him and not allow him to hurt the bison with his legs.
2: And, and the same thing, what does, State, what does South Dakota State have to do in order to keep the marker in Brookings?
5: Yeah, I think if you look at the last four matchups, the team that has run the ball the best has won the game, and has also the team that's also controlled the clock the best has won the game. And so, you know, I think Terry Christian has to be really good and not to place a lot of it on his shoulders, but I think at this point, in the post goddard Winnicky era at SDSU, you know, Kate Johnson has emerged with six touchdown grabs in two games. Uh, but Taron Christian is what makes this team go on the offensive side of the football. So I think he's got to play a strong game. I think he has to play a clean game and stay away from turnovers. And I think if, if South Dakota State is able to run the football uh, within that offense with Taron Christian throwing it, Uh, I think it's going to give them a great opportunity. On the flip side of it for SDSU, obviously stopping the run is where you start with trying to slow down the Bison. Uh, Putting them behind the chains, making it third and long uh, for Easton Stick, and making NDSU throw the football. Uh, I think those are things that SDSU would like to do, as well as get ahead early like they did a year ago uh, and make the Bison play from behind.
3: Uh, awesome. Uh can I go next guys? Sure. Sure, feel free. Go no for it. Hey, uh, Jeff, this is um Preston. Um uh, my alma mater is actually James Madison University, so it's been uh it's been nice to uh hang out with you guys the last couple of years.
0: <laughs> yeah,
5: absolutely. Um, Two great teams, but a lot but a lot of great football there.
3: For sure. So um my, my I am gonna kind of go off of what you just mentioned, Easton Stick. Um a lot of people, including myself this year, have seen Clearly, India has a phenomenal defense, a wicked good offensive line, and their running backs have the ability to run all over you. Um, I guess my question would be, if you may be seen from Easton Stick, that the rest of us have been missing that he can be uh, the quarterback that will carry the Bison over that edge if for some reason um, the running backs are just having a slow day.
5: Well, I think he's already done it, uh, Preston, at times, uh, to be quite honest with you. I think he has been able to make big plays and go back to uh, the game a year ago against your alma mater, James Madison, in the national championship mm-hmm. game. Uh, Easton Stick dialed up that 50-yard touchdown pass to Darius Shepard at the end of the second quarter to put North Dakota State up on top of that contest uh, by the score of uh, 17-3 to at the time. So... Uh, it was, uh, it was a big time play, big time throw. It was, you know, uh, one play in the game, but it was a big play. And I think that's the type of player. And those are the types of plays that Easton can make because he's such a great student of the game, you know, learning under Carson Wentz and, uh, just getting a feel for how Carson went about his business while he was at NDSU in the film room, on the practice field, off the field as well. Uh, Easton has truly uh, learned from one of the best. And, and Chris Kleiman has told me uh, a couple of times that when it comes to preparation and getting ready, Easton is the best he's ever been around. So, uh, you know, I think Easton Stick is a guy that uh, has the, the mental side of the game and the preparation side of the game down. And I think he's continuing to get better and better on the physical side of the game uh, with the way he is uh, improving and th- throwing the football.
3: Wonderful. Um, and so, you know, you, you never want to look too, too far ahead, especially past a rivalry game. But um, I heard this on the Hero Sports pod Podcast, and I kind of just wanted your opinion. Um, I think everybody uh, maybe was slightly surprised at how dominant um, Illinois, Illinois State looked against uh, Colorado State this past weekend. Um, where, where do you see them uh, kind of lining up, in the Missouri Valley this year? I mean, clearly they're part of that top three tier, but, you know, clearly as a Bison fan, and, you know, you're not going to overlook South Dakota State, but could you see the Redbirds maybe winning the conference?
5: Well, I think Illinois State has has done a great job to start the season of answering some of the questions that they had in in fall camp, and I think, obviously, the addition of Brady Davis, the Memphis transfer, has been huge. I mean, I, I think that that was one of their questions. Offensively, is what are they doing at quarterback? Is it Jay Colby? You know, Malachi Brodnax. We saw him late in the year last year. He's moved over to safety and uh, trying playing defense uh, right now for Illinois State. Um, impressive win. Look, anytime an FCS team goes on the road and beats an FBS team, it should be celebrated because it's not an equal playing field. It's sixty-three scholarships to eighty-five or eighty-six, whatever it is, and um, it should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Now I will say this, uh, I think I think Illinois State, a lot of us looking at that game, felt like Illinois State could win the game because they're a good team and Colorado State is a bit down this year compared to years past. So wasn't completely surprised by Illinois State winning the game. Uh, was impressed by how they won it in the controlling fashion that they did. And yeah, absolutely, you know, South Dakota State's got to go to normal and play at Illinois State. The Bison will play Illinois State here the week prior yeah. uh, in Fargo. And so, definitely, I think <laughs> Illinois State is a team right now that's certainly in the mix as you look at uh, the Valley getting
3: going tonight. Awesome. Uh, thanks for answering my questions. Oda, I think that um, – did you did you have any questions?
4: Yeah, I've got some on my mind. Um, yeah, like yeah, I went back to Dakota, by the way. I attended Jacksonville State University. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, I went back and looked at the keys of what the last two years for South Dakota State to get this upset over the Bison. And last year, the, the big difference was turnover margin. They forced five turnovers, and they only turned the ball over once. And then in the last two years, both the story was the Jackrabbits' offense. Uh, last year, just under 500 yards. Two years ago, well over 500. Um, I just want to get your opinion on nearly the teams have really been tested this season. So what have you seen differently from this North Dakota State team that gives you confidence that they can slow down this Jackrabbit offense? That's off to a really hot start this season after they put up 90 points against Arkansas Pine Bluff last week.
5: Yeah, yeah, you bet, great question. And you know, I think you know, what what gives uh gives me confidence, you know, I think a couple of things. I think in that game a year ago, you look at some of the players that that are playing now that did not play in that game last year, um and i think that you look at Greg Menard at defensive end i think his role as a pass rusher against Terran Christian can can impact the ball game Jabril cox did play in the game last year but it was in the second half and he didn't really get the flow of the football game ndsu was trailing 17 to 7 at that time and so i think Jabril just didn't you didn't feel like Jabril was a part of the game a year ago dan marlette also playing in this game this year he's playing at a high high level and you know, a Sioux Falls, South Dakota native, so it's a big game for a guy like Dan Marlette. And I think the obvious answer is South Dakota State doesn't have two of the best receivers in the history of the FCS on the offensive side of the ball this year. I mean, Dallas Goddard was a pro playing at the collegiate level last year. Jake Winicky obviously spent time mm-hmm. with the Vikings in their training camp Mm -hmm. so you know not to take anything away from the guys they have but the uh, look the reality is is that there's not a Goddard and Wenneke over there and that's a that's a big you know sigh of relief for Bison fans and for certainly the coaching staff of NDSU trying to figure out a way to slow that guy down because he was an absolute terror to deal with so I think that's something that uh, it is obviously something South Dakota State is learning about themselves. With what type of an offense are they without mm-hmm. those two guys? They've had guys step up, but I think the common denominator is Taron Christian. And if Taron Christian is able to get loose like he did two years ago, running the football and minimizes mistakes, we're going to have a great football game on Saturday.
4: All right. Appreciate you answering my question.
1: Go ahead.
3: All right, All right um, Adam. I don't I
1: don't know if Adam yep. have some uh, some questions. <laughs> I do have a couple. Jeff, you know me I am Adam advising fan yeah. here you you bet. from bet. here from North Illinois actually. Yeah, and good to talk to you. Two questions I had questions I had for you was how, I saw your tweet yesterday out about um, QB sacks. How does Andy's unite up a key sack this year help them out into this game?
5: I'm sorry, Adam, you were cutting out pretty badly there. Can you, can you say that so, again for me?
1: I said your tweet yesterday was NDSU Penn are the only two CS football teams to not give up a cutie sack. How does yep. that lead into the game for NDSU? Yeah,
5: you know, great question. Um, look, I think North Dakota State, with their offensive line, they have done uh, obviously a phenomenal job uh, for a long time. Of plowing the road for the rushing game the rushing attack and you know I also think that um, you know you, you look back at the Delaware game last week and it felt like at times Easton Stick had seven or eight seconds and sometimes longer to throw the oh. football and, I, and, and the offensive front for for NDSU was was the reason for that Delaware decided to lay back and drop seven or drop eight and and Easton really did a nice job of picking them apart but you know, Adam, it's it's the Rams. It's that, that Rams mentality led by offensive line coach Connor Riley, who's also the run game coordinator at North Dakota State. And, you know, every year at NDSU, um, the one thing I will never question is the offensive line. No matter who is coming, who is going, uh, the offensive line will always be great at North Dakota State University because they recruit the right way, uh, they develop players in the weight room, and they, get the, they know the types of kids and student-athletes that they want to have at, their, at those spots. So uh, you also get a lot of the small-town, nine-man football North Dakota kids that come to NDSU dreaming of playing for the Bison and come to NDSU and develop into great players themselves. So um, I think there's passion behind that position, and I think there's also – Uh, an obvious uh, hunger to succeed for a lot of those small-town North Dakota kids that come to NDSU and dream of playing football for the Bison.
1: All right. And then my other question for you is, now, you've covered, is it one or two national championships for the Bison?
5: Just one for me.
1: Just one? So that leads into my question then. So not counting that championship game, what is your favorite covering for the Bison?
5: Favorite uh, event, favorite game uh, for Bison football specifically? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the start of the 2016 season was pretty special. You know, uh, my first three games um, in taking over for for uh, the late, great Scott Miller and uh, just being, ex- you know, extremely excited to have the opportunity to to be the play-by-play announcer at a school like North Dakota State and for a football program like NDSU was was a big deal to start. And then that, the way that season began, um, the back-to-back overtime games in the Dome, uh, Charleston Southern,
0: mm-hmm.
5: Eastern Washington, and then going to Iowa and, and beating uh-huh. Iowa at Kinnick Stadium in front of 70,545 fans, uh, the way NDSU did it. And that fourth quarter was something I'll never forget. So I would say the start to the 2016 season was uh, was pretty special. And uh, for me, you know, memories that I'll talk about in my broadcasting career for a long time.
1: And then my last question, for the guys that don't, I know these three might not know you as well. Remind me, where did you come from before coming to the SUU?
5: yeah, so my career path, uh, prior to North Dakota State, I was in Morgantown, West Virginia with the Mountaineer Sports Network from IMG, and I hosted pre and post game the pre and post game shows for our football broadcast, and I did women's basketball and baseball play by play at West Virginia. Also filled in and did some men's basketball and called the spring game on the football side at WVU. Before that, I was at Nebraska for six years. Uh, with the Husker Sports Network, uh, Uh calling baseball, hosting a nightly talk show on their statewide network called Sports Nightly, and just uh, kind of a Mm jack-of-all-trades there, and uh, spent some time at USD as well, uh, right out of college, my first radio job, uh, calling some games at uh, South Dakota, doing some high school stuff as well, Uh, but yeah, that's that's my career path. I'm from Mitchell, South Dakota, so grew up uh, just down the Uh road from Fargo a few hours away, and uh, certainly know the old North Central Conference and and some of those old D two rivalries pretty well.
2: Now, what do you do, Jeff, to uh, to go ahead and, and prepare for you know an upcoming week or even a show? Uh, what's what's your preparation style?
5: Yeah, you know, I think for me, I'm always preparing um, every day. There's something that goes into getting ready for a broadcast. You know, this past weekend um, you know, on Sunday following the Delaware game, you know, woke up, um, yeah, I, I put together my, my spotting boards or spotting charts, whatever you want to call them on an Excel file and started on those, uh, for the Jackrabbits and get all the correct players in the right spots and, and start working on their current stats and, uh, career stats and, um, you know, watch as much film on the team as I can. I went back and watched the Montana State game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I did watch the 2017 game versus NDSU last night, but uh, you know, it really starts the Sunday, the day after uh, the previous game is is complete. And I'd like to talk with the opposing coach, and I certainly talk with the opposing play-by-play radio announcer as much as I can. Uh, go through and go through the bios of every individual player on my spotting board and scour the game notes, go through trends and uh, big storylines and and why things happen the way they did in certain games that led to the outcome. So, you know, I think you're always preparing. I get that question a lot, you know, how many hours do you put in? And I think it's different for everybody. I think the answer is for every individual until you feel 100% comfortable, you're ready. And I think that's different for everybody. So, I do a little bit every day, uh, each uh, each day leading up to a game. And, I, you know, as far as putting a number on it, you could probably say double-digit hours a week preparing for a game in mm-hmm. some form or fashion. So uh, there's a little bit that goes in uh, for sure every day before you uh, kick it off on Saturdays.
2: I understand. Uh, my my one time about 20 years ago, I was uh, actually behind the mic for a football game. I had 20 minutes to prepare. So I, I always enjoy that. Oh that question yeah it was, it was hey um our color guy went down can you get over to, to, to the high school and cover the game
5: <laughs> that would make it tough you would really have to wing it at that point no doubt I, that's, tough, that's, that's a tough call I was doing. yeah exactly uh
3: okay so I, I actually um yeah one of the questions that i had um was a question that we posed to each other a couple of weeks ago um so we um Last year, everybody said, without a doubt, for the most part, that it was going to be JMU and North Dakota State in the championship. And this year, kind of the way that's playing out, um, I think that our Jacksonville State friend might have something different to say, but JMU and NDSU, again, look like teams that have ridiculous defenses and offenses that could carry them to a championship game, With with North Dakota State being the clear number one here. But what we asked was, if you don't have North Dakota State or James Madison in the championship, what two teams would you love to see um, go down to Fargo? And I guess another part of that question for me would be, what game would you want to go and see for a national championship game, like visibly?
5: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Are, are, you, are you asking me who I think could do it or what game I'd love to see matchup-wise?
3: Uh, that was my follow-up, actually. <laughs> Who do you think can? Uh, so let's go with the okay. first what, what matchup. Would be?
5: Which matchup would I like to see in Frisco, not NDSU or James Madison related? You know what? I'm going to get kind of off the off the cuff here a little bit, and I'm just going to go by simply by style of play. And um, the first thing that pops in my head is I'd lo- I think it'd be fun to see a game between. An offense like Eastern Washington, that is that is a spread out. You know, they're trying to be more physical and run the football, but they obviously, with Gage Gubrud, they want to throw it. Um, two very contrasting styles. I think a game between Eastern Washington and Kennesaw State would be fun to watch, where you have option on one side, time of possession, dictate tempo against that high-powered offensive attack of Eastern Washington uh, on the other. So I'll go that. I'll just go simply that because of – just the contrast in styles between the two teams. Um, I think that one would be kind of fun. That's the first thing that pops in my head right away. Uh, as far as who I think could do it, I'm, I'm big on Weber State, guys. I think Weber State out of the big sky is a physical football team. Jay Hill, I think, is an upper-tier head coach in the FCS. Uh, I think Weber State is a team that looks very similar to NDSU and James Madison with the way they play. They've got a young quarterback and some, some young skill players. But I think Weaver State's a pretty good football team. And they were close a year ago, as we all remember, to going into Harrisonburg and winning that game in the quarterfinals. So uh, Weaver mm-hmm. State has a little bit of a taste from last year. I think they're motivated. They would be my favorite out of the big sky in a team that uh, matches up physically as well as anybody can to MDSU and James Madison.
3: That's awesome. Um, so, uh, going off of what you just said, that uh, that Eastern Washington versus Kennesaw game, that game could end up being twenty-one to twenty-one at the end of regulation. But <laughs> the telling, but the telling stat would be that Kennesaw had the ball for fifty-two minutes and <laughs> WU had. Um, yeah,
5: I mean that that's exactly that's right. It I could think. be it it could be a twenty-one twenty-one game. But Kennesaw, yeah, had the ball for 50-plus minutes. Uh, you're exactly right. That's uh, that's it, it, the contrasting styles there between those two, which would be fun to
3: watch. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a fascinating – yeah, that'd be really fun. Um, and, you know, it, it's possible. Um, and and I, I also agree with what you said about Weber um, because I, I forgot wh- uh, which blog I was listening to, but they said the exact same thing. It might have been um might have been uh, Brian McLaughlin that said it that Uber's trying mm-hmm. to do what JMU and NDSU are doing in terms of, you know, just reloading and rebuilding and building a program. He said that they might be a legitimate top ten program now and people need to, you know, start paying attention to them. I know that they woke up JMU um last year. Uh, darn near gave me a heart attack. Um <laughs> last year when they came <laughs> into Harrison's one. Um so I, I definitely you know we we've had people on our um on our fan uh page at the uh f c s nations fan page on facebook kind of disparage weber because they did lose a lot on the offensive side but i think what they've done this year if they've proven that kind of like j m u has this year um they're not gonna be going away um they are a team that's gonna reload mm-hmm. so uh I, I would yeah have no I, I, yeah i think i think you're
5: right and and um you know, watch watch them throughout the year. I think their schedule is favorable. If I remember correctly, I believe Eastern and Montana State have to come to Ogden to play uh, during the season. So I think the schedule is favorable with the Big Sky unbalanced scheduling uh, for Weber State. And you know, it's it's I think it's going to be a fun bracket this year, guys. I think we're going to see some different teams in the bracket than we have in the past. You know, I still firmly believe that we'll see Delaware. Uh, in the bracket this year, I think Villanova mm-hmm. will be back in the bracket this year. I think there's a good chance that both Montana schools get back in the bracket. Uh, McNeese, I think, will be in the bracket this year. So uh, also Chattanooga's four and O and off to a great start. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see some of those blue blood FCS programs in the bracket, and I think we'll see some fun matchups throughout uh, the FCS playoffs in 2018. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so uh, since you did mention the brackets, um, I, I would like to ask uh, do you see a team that is going to or sorry not a team the conference um, and I'm talking about the CAA, Big Sky and uh, Missouri Valley um, any of them getting five or more teams in the uh, playoffs this year and the reason why I asked that is because uh, my conference the CAA currently has seven teams that I think are very deserving of being in the top 25 and one of them is in Delaware
0: yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think the CAA has a chance to do that. Um, you know, the Valley's an interesting case study. There are two big games this week in the Valley where USD's at Southern Illinois and Youngstown State's at Western Illinois, where the loser of those two games might be done and their playoff chances might be shot, which would be surprising for yeah. all four because all four had playoff aspirations. I think Northern Iowa, uh, is a team that uh, has playoff aspirations every year and they need to uh to get moving in the right direction that's where ndsu heads next week is the cedar falls it is always a big game as as you guys know and adam knows um so
0: mm-hmm. you
5: know i think the caa is set up well to to have that i think the valley you know i look at ndsu SDSU, illinois state um I think USD, if they can get right defensively here in Valley Play, they've got the offense to do it. They've got a lot of really good skill players. Um, Can they get a fifth in? Maybe. I I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Then the big sky, I think you look at Weber State, Eastern Washington, uh, the Montana schools as four that have a chance to get in. And UC Davis under Dan Hawkins has had a really good start to the year. So I think the big sky, you could argue, can get five. And we'll see. It's fun. Fun to kind of go through, but uh, this is when we're going to find out who's for real and who's for not as conference play begins.
0: Yep.
2: Now, uh, Jeff, what is obviously you get to go to all the you know the, the different places that NDsu travels to. What's your favorite places to go to?
5: Who? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think uh, favorite places for me in the valley to travel to. Um, I think the game in, in Cedar Falls is going to be a lot of fun at the Uni Dome. I think that's always uh, a, a wild atmosphere there between those two teams and fan bases when NDSU and Northern Iowa get together. Um, you know, uh, thinking out loud, Youngstown State last year was a blast. They love football out there in Northeast Ohio, and it's a blue-collared <laughs> community, and and uh, you know a different part of the country you get to travel to. Growing up in the Midwest, which is which is always a ton of fun as well. So,
0: mm-hmm.
5: you know, I think I think Northern Iowa uh, and Youngstown State are two great football atmospheres for the FCS as far as, as far as non conference play is concerned. We were out in Sheeney last year on the red turf. That was oh. fun to see and experience that last season with the Inferno. <laughs> um so that was that was a little bit different look for sure i was a little nervous to be honest with you guys i had heard that they were going to go all red uniforms on the red turf last year and i thought that was going to be a broadcaster's nightmare so luckily they didn't and uh, they wore black on top which helped immensely but uh, the inferno is a different look and you know i'm looking forward to uh, you know, Next year, North Dakota State plays at Target Field versus Butler uh, yes. to open up the uh, 2019 season, which will be very cool. And then I'm looking forward to going out to Delaware on a return trip to Newark next season and uh, checking out Delaware Stadium.
2: Shoot. Very cool. Yeah. I think it was Delaware's right off the train. I, I took the Acela down the East Coast once. I think it's right off the train. So, yeah, I... I Got a chance to at
5: least look at that stadium on my way by. So, um, you're going to Macomb though in a couple of weeks. We're going to Macomb, and, and uh, you know Macomb is uh, yeah. is its own environment for sure. So I've heard that they're starting to sell oh. beer there, which uh, which will help the uh, the folks, the locals, yep. uh, come out to the mm-hmm. games. But yes, we'll be in Macomb at Hanson Field in in a couple of weeks at Western Illinois.
2: Excellent. Yeah, enjoy, that's a, interesting. enjoy a burger at Chubby's or go over for some chicken down on the square at Chicks on the Square. Definitely a good, two good places to stop while you're in Macomb.
5: I will remember that, and I appreciate the uh, the push in the right direction. I'm always one to try the uh, the local fare uh, as as we travel around the country, which is always a lot of fun.
2: Well, there's not that much other, oh, yeah. other around Macomb, so you, you're pretty much stuck <laughs> with the local fare.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> true. All right, Jeff, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for answering some questions and helping us talk about this big game this weekend.
5: Guys, it was a real pleasure. Thanks for having me on and, and call me anytime. I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on your show. Thanks for uh, for the call. All
2: right, thank well, you. will definitely look forward to talking to right, you, uh, you know, when the playoffs come.
5: Sounds great, guys. Thanks. Have a great night. You thanks,
2: too. you
1: too. Holy shoot. So I'd,
2: I'd definitely well, was a fun conference.
1: Oh, yeah. yes, it was. Let's say this. FCS right now is making a statement in the Rams game. Two or uh, 14 out of the 21 points right now for the Rams have come from Cooper Cup. Oh, very cool. <laughs> he has two touchdowns. So, oh, that's interesting. Not good for uh, for me, but... All right. So, so we're going to do some how's, picks.
2: How's Kirk Cousins doing for me, by the way?
1: Uh, Two touchdowns. It's, I think it's 14-21. Or 17-21. Okay. So, he has two touchdowns. I'm working, he's not I'm working with bad a couple yet.
2: touchdowns there.
1: Hey, he's doing job. better than he did last week, so... You didn't see them last week, did you?
2: I I know what you're referring to. I mean, let's face it, both oh. the Packers and and the Vikings had uh, had a problem after after facing each other. Hey,
1: now we both. Oh, sorry. Did I call them what I normally call them? Me?
2: I'm sorry. I called them what I normally call them. That's right. That's oh, don't right. worry. I
1: won't even say on air what I call the Packers.
2: Yeah, I oh. probably. <laughs> you can right,
3: bet we be me off here. here. That's right. At least, at least NFL right. team. Uh, I'm, I'm in Washington.
1: Ooh, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Let me guess.
2: By the way, uh, let's face it. Uh, Adam and I are not following teams that are from our. Uh, home areas, I, I really don't know what, what would be the representative team from down by Adam, but frankly, uh, uh, you know, up here I would don't be a Bears too. fan. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh.
1: No. I used to, and they're like, uh, no. I had to get away <laughs> from that. I had to go back to my original team. Oh, man. I got yeah. brainwashed for a little Just, bit down here, and I had to get away from it. What?
2: You know, the Rams. Uh, hold it, Do you remember the Rams training in Macomb?
1: I do, actually. I, I, I don't remember if that was. I don't remember when it was, but I remember at least hearing about it.
2: Uh, They started in 96. And okay, uh, so they I were there for nine seasons. So I think that they left. La- uh, okay. Last year was 2004 or 2005. My yeah, so
1: that was friends, during part me- of my lifetime.
2: Yeah. Let me, let me just give you my aside, and then, and then again, we can go off to the pick. So I started off, again, I graduated from Macomb in 96, and my first job in radio was in Macomb. So my last three oh. months uh, at that, yeah, my last three months down there, um, you know, I was doing overnight, and after my shift, I'd go off for a run. So I'm running out of downtown, and I, I see this guy, and he's got his Army shirt. And I was like, okay, that's nice. And so we both turn on Adams Street, and we're both headed down towards campus. And we're yeah. just sitting there talking. I figure he's an ROTC guy because, again, he says Army across the front. And so I get towards the turn so that way I can complete my route. And he's he's headed back towards campus. And I was like, okay, whatever. He, I mean, he would have been headed towards Simpkins Hall, which is where the ROTC base is is, is at. I yeah. didn't think anything about it. I didn't think anything about it, and then all of a sudden, I turn on Sports Center the next night, and I was running with Isaac Bruce. Yeah. Oh. oh. Dr. Lazar is on the phone. Okay, hey guys, uh, I'm cutting out here for a minute. I'll be uh, back in a little bit, okay? All right.
3: Okay. Awesome. Okay. First of all, what the heck? <laughs> Did
1: I, actually, I had a little something I got. To, I was going to mention, Aaron Rodgers came to um, Bloomington Normal here in Illinois once and I actually met him sitting in a barrel here. That He was going hunting with some linemen and he was sitting in a cracker barrel here in Bloomington Normal.
3: Again, um, which sounds like something he would do. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, we should Move Maybe on to picks? To yeah. Um, do we – uh somebody have some picks no, already? Jeff
1: has, okay, Jeff has the spreadsheet, so we can just tell him who our picks were when he comes back. We can still make some. But, I can make a list
3: here. Awesome. Um, and uh, while while, you, while you're doing that, I actually um, would like to give an update. Um, so uh, North Carolina A&T was down 1610 at halftime and now they're up 24-16, to 16, uh, just started start of the fourth quarter.
1: Rip, I just I saw
3: that one. It... Um, I, I can definitely say that what, what's happened is uh, Lamar Renard has finally started mm-hmm. to look like we all know him to be, and they stopped turning the ball over. Um, which, again, back yeah. to my point. is No matter how good you are, if you the ball over, you're, you're probably going to lose. So, uh, ooh. Could have had an interception there. Um, so looks like A and T. I'm not going to call the game over or anything, but their defense has been yeah no half, and the offense finally seems like it uh, woke up. Yeah, and
1: I don't know how far you're into it or if I'm ahead or anything, but they just showed a stat in that game that A had 207 yards in that third quarter.
3: A and T had how many?
1: Two hundred and seven yards in that third
3: quarter alone. Oh yeah, they they, they were they were throwing all over the place.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, it, it, was, it, was, so, it was it was it was to watch. It was like oh oh that's what you guys were supposed to look like and what we've been expecting. So um, yeah, and again the rivalry game, so maybe they woke up from that. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give you all that update. I think we all know that Northern Iowa was winning twenty three to nothing, and that doesn't surprise anyone.
1: Nope, and then we got Presbyterian up three nothing still. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> it's a great day to be a Presbyterian fan, am I right? You're actually winning the game.
3: What are you talking about, isn't it always?
1: <laughs> That's true, they
3: they have one other win this year.
1: Their only loss was to Austin Peay, and that was twenty four nothing.
4: Don't hate on the blue hose, man. <laughs>
3: um, so actually, uh, something that um, uh, announcer Jeff said that I thought was very interesting is that he, his, uh, he came from West Virginia and went to North Dakota State. Yeah. And you know, while he was doing, maybe not the biggest well, sports, he went, for, v- he went from
1: West Virginia to Nebraska to NDSTU.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I, I would say even then, you know, he went from Power Five programs to yeah. go do uh, football commentary in the FCS. Now, I'm not saying that West Virginia baseball is as big as North Dakota State um, football, but football, but if if you're going to move up maybe it, within those Power Five rankings to be a commentator, maybe you want yeah. to work your way up uh, being a football Commentator, uh, he might have maybe tried to wait and pay his and do that sort of thing. So I thought it was very telling and, and mm-hmm. quite frankly awesome that somebody who did have that Power Five experience with uh, this caliber of programs um, decided, you know what, I want to go to NDSU because you know I think that they are at that level. Which I don't know. I just I just thought that that was really cool that he uh, made that career decision personally sorry we're still waiting on Jeff with the picks Adam I think Adam cut out again Dakota you there I am here <laughs> well shoot man looks like it's just me and you again how you doing
4: <laughs> I'm great <laughs> we'll be better uh, on Saturday you what that there will be better on Saturday.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, I think that we would hope that. Um, hold on, give me one. <laughs>
4: second. Yeah. But, I mean, this is it. It's going to be the first time I've been back to JSU since I had since you know March nineteenth for the tornadoes. So I haven't even been back to campus since then. So it's going to be a little bit of an emotional ride down to Jacksonville.
3: I'm sure. How far of a how far of a ride is that for you?
4: Four hours.
3: Oh, that's yeah, not that's too not bad. bad.
4: Yeah, not no, terrible. Four-hour drive, get the weekend off. It's going to be me yeah, and my parents.
3: Oh. Homecoming. Oh,
4: awesome. I think it's homecoming.
2: Whatever. It doesn't matter. You, you
1: mentioned that you're going back <laughs> for homecoming, so cause it looks like. Yeah, because, that I means Jeff's going back for Eastern's homecoming, too.
0: Awesome. Homecoming's all over
1: the Valley this week. Alright, we wanna move into some picks?
3: Up, uh, I'm down. All right, we can Yep, that. I'm ready. Let's see, let's see what game to start off with.
1: Well, let's do it. Let's start off with windless Eastern Illinois at windless Kenneth. What do you think, Dakota?
4: I guess I'll take the reins on that one. Okay, so um, <clears throat>
1: I mean, Tennessee
4: Tech—they—they they done well last week, you know, for what it's worth against Jacksonville State. They held their own for the really vast majority of the game. Jacksonville State didn't really pull away till the near end of that game. Eastern Illinois last week against Tennessee State—they had a heartbreaking loss, 41 to 40. Tennessee State's another team in the OVC who's trying to buy for at least you know that second, third best team, especially after Austin Peay's lost last week. Um, so it's really a toss up here to get whoever gets their first win. I'm just gonna go with the home field advantage factor. Uh, last week, last year's game, excuse me, was also was decided by one point. It was Eastern Illinois. So I think Tennessee Tech at home, they're gonna build off momentum they gained last week of really contending with Jacksonville State. So I think Tennessee Tech will get their first win of the season.
3: Um, I guess I will go next then, actually. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, piggyback or think that I'm copying you, but I agree. Tennessee Tech has not looked as bad as their record indicates. Um, there was another team that was 0-3 or something like that. You kind of look at them and you're like, no, they're really not that bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I saw Tennessee. I've, I've seen wars with Tennessee Tech. I watched them play against Kennesaw, I think it was. Um, a couple Thursdays. They are not a bad team, by by any means. I actually think that um, they're they're a decent team. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they could be five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't I haven't seen anything from Eastern Illinois that would make me think that they could go and be gangbusters or anything. So I I would actually go with Tennessee Tech as well.
1: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I go I Tennessee Tech. Easter hasn't really shown me much yet this year. But I think I'm about to go with Tennessee Tech.
4: Yeah, you know, we got a we got um, a good matchup tomorrow night. We got a battle of unbeaten in the
1: Ivy League. Princeton and Columbia. Ooh, yeah, that's right. I forgot I mentioned that one earlier. I'll start this one off. They both look really good right now. Princeton's beaten, or Columbia's beaten Central Connecticut State and Georgetown. And then Princeton's beaten Butler and Monmouth. I think Princeton comes and wins that.
3: I think I'll go. Um, I... I think Princeton is the better team from what I've seen. I think they've beaten better competition, um, but I'm just going to go with a complete choir thing. Um, it feels like half the 18th Street singers went to Princeton, and by half I mean like five or six of them, and none of them went to Columbia. So, you know, for them, I'm going to go with Princeton up with this one, let's go Tigers.
4: Yeah, just looking at what Princeton has done this season. Both games, they scored over 50 points. They haven't given up hardly any. Uh, Columbia, they they have won both on the road, but they've been in Georgetown, Central Connecticut State. I think Princeton's been tested a little bit more. You know, they played Monmouth last week. He was receiving votes in the top 25. Um, I think Columbia can keep it close. But I think Princeton's offense is going to be too much, and I think Princeton's going to stay unbeaten.
3: Awesome. What do we got next, Adam? Did we have Adam cut out again? I
4: have another Uh, game. Let me go ahead and get that one.
3: What game?
4: Maine at Yale.
3: Oh man! Oh. Oof! Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, man. That's uh, that's that's a tough one. Um, I, man. I'm not even trying to filibuster here or anything. That is just a legitimately <laughs> tough question. It, it
4: is. It's it's a toss-up, honestly. I mean, Yale, they I, I, lose I, the Holy Cross.
3: It's a toss-up. Uh, yeah, I think the reason why I would say a toss-up is because Maine has looked so good. Um, I think their quarterback got injured in the Eastern Michigan game. I'm not quite sure of their status. But even then, Maine still has a ridiculously good defense. So I'm trying not to show any bias here because uh, I want my CAA teams to do well at a conference. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Maine. Do <laughs> you feel good about yourself? No, that's like a 51-49 split.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think Maine has taken on the better competition. For the most part, they've handled the better competition well. FBS win, you know, against Western Kentucky. You know, surprised to start of the season. They just dominated New Hampshire. And then Yale started the season. We lost to Holy Cross and raised some eyebrows. You know, they handled Cornell. I was concerned though, is this is the third straight game on the road for Maine. So... Mm-hmm. Are they a little tired of being on the road? And then he said, you know, quarterback got a little nicked up last week. I think the Bulldogs are going to upset Maine. I I, I would consider it upset. I don't know if it really would be. But I think Yale is going to surprise and shock Maine.
3: Okay. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm going to vehemently disagree. On that pick, because like I said, I'm about fifty-one
0: forty-nine. 49
3: I'm not going to consider that a bad loss for Maine, you know what I mean? Um, you yeah. know, it would be a playoff game, I think, in the, most people's eyes if it weren't for their quote-unquote playoff ban, we'll say. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I am with that game. Um, so we'll leave that at that. Um, let's go with uh, Towson at Citadel.
1: I'm back, guys.
3: Awesome. Uh, well, actually,
1: I got I said I'm with Dakota on that last pick out.
3: Adam, your connection went a little funky again. Oh, but it's, is that nope. better? it's much better. Uh I feel. Okay, so Adam picked Yale. Awesome. Um, yeah. And you know, if 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 Yale won again, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I don't know. There's something very very different about this main. Um. So I'll yeah. just leave it at that. Um, what I was going to say next: is Towson at Citadel. I believe it's at Citadel. I. am Is that
4: Towson look like? Is it?
3: Because when yeah. I looked at it. Okay, if it's at Towson, I mean, that's not really going to change my pick. Because um, here, John, oh, oh yeah, Johnny United States is at Towson. God, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, not going to get into the rant that I was going to, anyway. So, uh, Citadel, this this game, uh, again, I think it's fascinating, um, because I think that, um, there we go, the C- a lot of good teams very close this year and I think that they would yep. love to uh, put themselves over the hump against the top 25 team even if it is the top 25 team mm. that just snuck in that being said Towson's offense is the real deal they can that ball around, Lil Flacco is, is definitely phenomenal so um, I'm feeling a little more confident in this pick with me so I'm going to go with Towson
4: Yeah, that's what I was saying about right. like this game is, you know, Citadel—they have their record. They're one of those teams that you talked about earlier, with Tennessee Tech. They're a lot better team than what their record shows. They're one and three. They've been in every game they played. They haven't lost by more than one possession this season. So they are going to be in this game, and it is going to be a close game. This again seems like a toss-up for me, but it's not as much of a toss-up as Yale and Maine was. I think Towson. Is going to pull away at the end on their home field. I think they're going to win by about ten, thirteen points.
3: Awesome, and uh, we'll we'll get Adam's answer when he comes back. But let's uh, let's chug right along. back. Time. Okay, awesome. So Towson at Citadel.
1: Um, well, after watching which I can't remember which Towson. Oh, it was Towson. Um, Villanova. After watching mm-hmm. that game. I think Towson wins this week by at least two
3: scores. All right, cool. That, that's a little more than a Dakota, and I think um, there you go. Okay, this is actually like a lot of really good CAA matchups. There are a lot of really good mm-hmm. ones, but this is this I think is a pick-up. Villanova. Yeah. Has. All right. You gonna do Villanova next? Yeah, the Nova-Stony
0: Brook
4: game. You know, it's so great, you know, the, as the season goes on, you get these really good matchups because all these matchups were just racking our brains around dogs. could go either way, and this is another one of those games. Stony Brook last week played Richmond. They looked really good. The Nova's coming off that loss to Towson. And then they yep. – handled business last week, got back in the right track as they just had no problem with Bucknell. At Stony Brook, Villanova's coming up on a little difficult stretch. They got Stony Brook this week. They go on the road next week against Maine, and then they host James Madison. This is a very important game for Villanova. They want to keep keep pace in the Colonial, and I think it's going to be – I think you're going to be able to see a little more of an offensive show than you would originally have thought with these two teams. I think Villanova's going to get it done on the road to keep track in the CAA.
3: All right. Uh, what do you think, Adam?
1: Um, after watching some Stony Brook against who they play that I was watching them play, it was, oh, after watching them play Richmond last week, they really impressed me. So I'm going to go with Stony Brook in this game.
3: Alright, so um, this is a game uh, yeah, it's in the pick genuinely. I'm just going to watch this game enjoy it because it's going to be a slobber-knock game for again two teams that are now playing for playoff position. Yeah. Being said, I have more faith in Villanova and maybe that's just because they're part of the CAA old guard, quote-unquote, and I just always get more
0: of
3: a detriment uh, that Nova really wanted all right. to. We got we got time for about. Um, I'm, you wanna I'm do one more, thing. and
1: then, you want to do
4: one more, and then get on with the game of the week pick.
3: Yep, sounds good.
4: Because I really want to focus on East Washington versus Montana State. Yep. For a little bit. Yeah, this um, is this, go- this is one of those games.
3: I can be quick with this one for you guys talk. Um I think of Washington wins this game. Um Montana State's still kind of in the in the in my opinion. Um is the offensive defense is people think. I think that East of Washington probably wins his ten points.
1: Yeah, this another sure. one of those good conference games. Go ahead, Adam. I'm impressed in here. It's, I got Eastern Washington winning by at a touchdown and a field goal.
4: I, too, go with the Eastern Washington. but I, I see them pulling away. I know it's on the road in Bozeman, but I think Eastern Washington's offense is too much for Montana State to handle. Montana State has looked impressive, but when they have been against Leicester competition, the one challenge was on the road against South Dakota State. They put up 14 points, gave up 45. I think Eastern Washington's offense is going to turn up the heat, and uh, I think Mm -hmm. they're going to run away with this game late and make a statement in the big sky.
1: Yep. All right. Then let's move on to the game everyone's looking forward to this week the Dakota marker, South Dakota State at North Dakota State. It can be shown on. ESPN Plus, three thirty Eastern on Saturday. Dakota, why don't you lead us off with this game?
4: I've been thinking about this game all day, going back and forth, who to go with. The Jackrabbits when is the last two. North Dakota State, you know, they're the pinnacle of FCS football. South Dakota State lost their two playmakers last season. Um, North Dakota State's going to have to find a way if they get pressure in the third and long to rely on Eastern Stick to get them the first down. Don't turn the ball over. Keep time possession in. I think this is a different North Dakota State team. I think they're going to get pressure on South Dakota State, and I think North Dakota State gets a defensive stop late and wins by one possession.
0: Ooh.
3: Okay. What do you um, think, um, Preston? I'll go next, uh, so that Adam can pick last for this one. Um, I will be very quick. I think that this is going to be a coming-out party for NDSU. Um, South Dakota State is a very, very good team, but I don't think they've truly been tested yet. Um, this is going to be the first test. We're going to see what this offense is really made of. But at the end of the day, I could honestly see NDSU um, winning by 17 points. Um, and in a game like, I think that's a lot. So give me uh, North Dakota State with a score of something like 34 7 Thirty to seven, you said? Uh, thirty four to Ooh. seventeen.
1: Thirty four to seventeen, okay. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think if the offensive line for NDSU can east in some time when he's throwing to throw the ball and our receivers can make the catches, if our defense can get after Christian, I think I think NDSU can win this by a score of 34 to 14. So a little higher score than what Preston said, but I think they w- win it pretty easily.
4: I'm just saying,
1: if any one of these teams wins by more than two possessions,
4: I'm terrified if I'm the rest of the FCS. Maybe not like James Madison, but honestly, at least in the Missouri Valley, if any of these teams come away with this game winning by over 14 points, I'm terrified.
3: Yeah. Oh, for
1: sure. yeah. All right, guys, we uh, got about fifty seconds left. Any closing thoughts?
3: We've got good games this week and thank goodness.
1: That's my closing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
3: All
4: right. Preseason's over. It's time for the real deal.
3: And uh just so you guys sure. know, uh A and T is now up thirty one to sixteen, so Aggies bounced back. See that. Yep.
1: Good win tonight for North Carolina. And hold it off with you and I, as long as they can keep holding this one off. Yeah. Sorry. All right, guys, that has been four FCS fanatics week five. Game of the week with NDSU versus South Dakota State. Tune in next week as we'll have another great show with some great people. Thanks, guys, and have a good night. All
3: right. Thanks, good night, you guys. Too. night, Kota.